Hello, and welcome to another episode of Christian Life Issues for today. This is Wayne Mack, your host on this program. Recently, we've been developing podcasts on the subject of burnout or spiritual discouragement. All of the material that I'm presenting to you can be found in written form in a book that I wrote in 2005, which was called Down But Not Out, and it was published by Presbyterian and Reformed Publishing House or PNR Publishers. So if you want it in written form, you can get it from them, and it's uh, available uh, on the, uh, if you can order by way of uh, the web, PNR Publishers or Presbyterian Reform Publishers. We come to uh, another episode of burnout or discouragement. The secret to avoiding being knocked down comes from a book called Down But Not Out. And so the secret to avoiding being knocked down by spiritual burnout, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, is to have our inner man renewed daily. As we noted previously, renewal begins with salvation, based on Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. But it doesn't end with salvation, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. In fact, it is quite possible for people to have experienced initial renewal, which is described, of course, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 and Titus chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. The initial renewal is to become a Christian to have your sins forgiven, and God cleanses us, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and to guide us and direct us as we turn to the Word of God. But renewal doesn't end with salvation. In fact, it's quite possible for people who have experienced initial renewal by salvation to experience burnout or losing heart. That's the phrase that Paul uses when he says, we do not lose heart. That's the same as burnout. If their inner man is renewed daily, they will not lose heart. This does not mean repeated salvation, but rather renewal of the mind through right thinking. In the previous podcast, we noted several things that Paul thought about so that he would not lose heart. In this podcast, I want to expand on one of the things we previously noted and then move on to consider another very important aspect of having constant renewal. Another aspect of what Paul thought that helped him and his associates not to lose heart. Paul indicated that he did not lose heart because he knew some very important things. One, 
He knew that God had given him an important ministry. Two, God had granted him great mercy. And three, God had a purpose for the problems of his outer man. In counseling, I'm frequently asked the question, why? Why did this happen to me? People so often become depressed, confused, immobilized, bewildered, and even angry because they do not understand why something has happened to them. Imagine that they could all, if they could only understand the reason, it would be an easier burden to bear. Well, though God does not always let us know his exact purposes in having certain events in our lives, we can be confident of this truth. We know, Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. We have, says Paul, this treasure in jars of clay, clay pots, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. For it is all for your sake, he says, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, and verse 7 and verse 15. There were some things about what was happening to him that Paul didn't understand. He used that statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. He admits that he was perplexed about some things. But there were other things about which he was not perplexed, about which he was abundantly sure. And one of those things was that somehow God was bringing glory to himself through the trials that Paul was experiencing. God was bringing glory to himself through Paul's difficulties and weaknesses, which meant that nothing he experienced good or bad, was without reason. Indeed, God often puts his children into difficult circumstances in order to bring glory to himself by showing his strength in them and through them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul writes that he and his companions experienced affliction beyond their strength. This didn't cause Paul to despair, but rather to trust even more in the power and strength of God. We had, said the Apostle Paul, the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. When we're at our weakest, the world is able to witness God's strength. In the midst of difficulties, we have the opportunity to be a powerful witness for Christ by the way that we handle those difficulties. 
Unbelievers frequently react to difficulties by becoming depressed, angry, anxious, and bitter. They feel overwhelmed. But when believers respond rightly, biblically, in the midst of difficulties, it's a testimony to the power of God. When asked, what makes you so different? Believers have the opportunity to share the reason for the hope that they have. In the first epistle of Peter, which is a wonderful book to study on the subject of suffering, because the word suffering is found again and again in that first epistle. Peter referred to suffering over 15 times in that one book. He wrote about the past sufferings of Christ and about the present sufferings of Christians who were living in his time and even who are living today. He made the point to his readers that Christ, God's own son, had to suffer. And then he said, we must arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. Back in chapter 3 of that same epistle, Peter reminded his readers, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. That's Second Peter chapter or First Peter chapter three and verse fourteen. In other words, we should not lose heart because if our Savior had to suffer, and we should not expect to have a life without suffering. Paul knew Jesus had said that as a servant of Jesus, he was not above his master, who was Jesus. He knew that if Jesus the master suffered, it was ludicrous to think that he would not have to suffer. Read John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19 on that subject. He was absolutely convinced of this that since Jesus suffered, he would also have to suffer. And that helped him to rejoice even in his sufferings. That's Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Paul knew that the sufferings of Jesus were not without purpose. He knew, as Peter said, that Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. That's 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He also knew, as stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 11, that he was suffering for Jesus' sake. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Paul lived in constant danger of persecution and death in a way that most of us will never experience. In his day, there were no police forces to control angry mobs or arrest bandits and robbers. Paul had good reason to fear for his life, and yet he could still say that he didn't lose heart. In fact, Paul rejoiced that because of his suffering, Others would be blessed. He was not a masochist. 
who enjoyed pain and suffering. That's not why he said that. Paul rejoiced that because of his suffering, others could be blessed. He was a realist who understood that when handled properly, his sufferings were a means of bringing blessing to people and glory to God. For all things, he said, are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. Paul knew that somehow God would use his difficulties for the benefit of other believers, and knowing that good purpose encouraged him. As believers, we have God's promise that the Lord directs our steps, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, and that God knows the way we take, and when he has tried us, we shall come forth as gold. That's Job chapter 23 and verse 10. Nothing happens in our lives by chance. Not only does every step of our lives have a purpose in God's will, but as we noted earlier, God works all things together for good to those who love God. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. Our trials may be for the benefit of others, that they are also for our benefit. God uses our trials to refine us and make us more like Christ. All human events are governed by the sovereign will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Knowing this, believing it, and reflecting on it will prevent spiritual burnout. For Paul and his associates, it prevented spiritual burnout, and it will for us also. Another matter in which Paul kept a godly perspective so as not to lose heart was his future prospects. Paul didn't focus his mind on what was happening to him moment by moment, but instead he looked to the future and set his mind on the fact that the best was yet to come. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul reflected that the present affliction was producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. He went on to say, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. Returning to verse 17, it's something very interesting to note how Paul described his difficulties which he was experienced in the present. Clearly, he was training his mind to think properly when he wrote about 
momentary affliction because he knew that if he did not exercise control over his mind, if he allowed himself to think the way that the rest of the world often thinks, he would lose heart. Paul didn't experience burnout because he thought of sufferings as being momentary and light. Those are the words that he uses. From our earlier study, we know that Paul's afflictions hardly qualified as light if we judge them by any earthly standard. How then was he able to say that they were light? He could say this because he measured his afflictions not against earthly standards, but against the future glory that is promised to all Christians. For I consider, he said, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. He knew that there is no affliction on this earth that can compare with heavenly glory. Paul said also that his present afflictions were momentary because he was again viewing them from God's perspective. In terms of his span of years on this earth, Paul's afflictions lasted a long time. But Paul didn't measure them as the world measures time. Paul measured them against eternity and could truly say that they, in fact, lasted but a moment. Well, not only did Paul view his afflictions as momentary and light, but Paul also considered the outcome of his afflictions. They were, he said, producing for us an eternal weight of glory. He understood that his afflictions were of great benefit for the kingdom of God, and that encouraged him. He mentioned previously that Paul was not a masochist who got some strange pleasure out of pain and suffering. Paul simply rejoiced that his suffering was being used by God to further his kingdom in this world. For this reason, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with the eternal glory. Paul's joy was not linked to earthly things, and therefore earthly forces would not take it away. The source of Paul's joy was his salvation in Jesus Christ, his promised inheritance in Christ, and the privilege of participating in the building of Christ's kingdom by reaching people for Christ, teaching them about Christ, and then helping them to grow up and become stronger in Christ. In this, he said, we greatly rejoice that we will obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for us who are protected by the power of God through faith 
for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's described in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Well, Paul agreed with Peter, who wrote that we have reason to rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, we are distressed by various trials. Trials, though painful, are a necessary part of the Christian life because God has ordained them for a purpose. In fact, we can be assured that since God has ordained every trial that we experience, we can be assured that each one of our trials has a purpose. The purpose of these trials is revealed in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, where we read that the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold, which perishes, even though tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's easy enough to claim faith when everything is going well, but true faith is constant regardless of circumstances. God uses trials in our lives to test the genuineness of our faith and to strengthen it. If our faith is lacking in any way, its weakness will be revealed to us in a time of trial. God allows our faith to be tested because the time to find out the measure of our faith is while we're still alive. After death, it's too late to discover that our faith has been very weak, even false. A popular bumper sticker reads, whoever dies without the most toys wins. The terrible truth, of course, is that whoever dies with only toys loses everything. Earthly treasure is dross that will be consumed in the fire of judgment, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. God demands genuine faith, not earthly toys. The bumper sticker should read, whoever dies with real faith wins. Paul knew that his trials had a purpose. And that helped him to not lose heart. Well, not only did Paul know this, but he also focused his mind on it. And thus he declares, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. The Greek in that particular passage makes it very clear that we should be constantly looking at the things which are not seen. He said, for we who are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. Paul lived in constant danger of persecution and death in a way that most of us will never experience. 
In his day, there were no police forces to control angry mobs against bandits and robbers. Paul had good reason to fear for his life, and yet he could still say that he did not lose heart. And so it should be with us as well. He was blessed, not because he was a masochist who loved suffering and loved the perspective or the possibility of being killed for Jesus' sake. No, his afflictions lasted a long while, but he didn't measure them as the world measures their afflictions. Paul measured them against eternity and could rightly say that they, in fact, lasted for a moment. So, Paul says his afflictions were working for him an eternal weight of glory. 